things that I always try to be sensitive to God doing is how do we identify and understand and try to react to what is happening in our world and how that impacts us as believers. And so God just put on my heart for today um, as we were going through all of this and I'm sure as many of you were were watching and uh, seeing all the different things that had happened. And God just put on my heart a, a couple of verses and a particular thought of when the church loses heart. When the church loses heart. And, you know, right now we're... We're experiencing a time of great division, a time of struggle, uh, a time of separation in our world. We've, we've said we saw um, kind of the undercurrent of, of the division and, and the separation, and it happens in so many different ways. It, it happens in our world between young and old. It happens in our world between... Um, those who are better financially positioned and those who are not. It happens between uh, those of different ethnicities. It happens even in the global scheme between America and other countries. But the body of Christ is supposed to be, out of everything that's in the world, the body of Christ is supposed to be one area that displays the unity and the togetherness of Christ. But that struggle begins to happen when the church loses heart. The work of the church is becoming more difficult for us in America than it's ever been before. Because we have generally kind of lived through, uh, for most of us, if, if we're under probably under, you know, 60, we've lived through a world that even though there's been some depression and, and things um, economically, we've generally lived through a, a society that was uh, fairly affluent. I, I often refer back to, I just can't help but refer back to uh, Stephen and I going to Uganda last year and really seeing the difference of when people just don't have versus what we're kind of accustomed to even at a poverty level in the United States. There's a lot out there that, that separates and it makes us different and, and creates these, these distinguishing factors about this group versus that group and a group over here versus this group. And understanding the work of the church and understanding that as we see more things begin to creep in and create separation, then the work of the church becomes harder and many are just losing heart. I could, I could almost say that at times I wonder if maybe many even had heart to begin. But that's not the focus of the message today. It's when we lose heart. And as we, as we go into this message today, in order to understand what happens when the church loses heart, we're going to look at what God's Word says happens when we have heart. Y'all know me. I, 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 I look and I see something when it states a positive, and I try to always remind myself of the opposite of it. If I see a negative, I try to remind myself of the, of the opposite of it, which would be the positive so that we fully understand God's Word. And so that's what we're going to look at today when the church loses heart. But let's pray over God's Word and over our hearts to hear His Word as we uh, look at it today. God, I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your promises. I thank You for the character and the nature of You, of who You are, that is unchanging, that is sovereign, that is all-powerful and all-knowing, ever-present and present everywhere. 
And so God, I pray that today you would open your word to our hearts and that we would see it and we would hear it and we would receive it. And if we've been in the process of losing heart, God, I pray that you would strengthen us and you would reverse that. Because our, our world is needful of a church that has not lost heart. And so, God, I just give you all the praise and I give you all the glory. I just pray and believe these things in the name of your Son and our strong Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The first thing that we're going to look at um, is we're going to look at when the church has not lost heart, the church is doing good. So obviously an opposite of that would be that when the church begins to lose heart, the church stops doing good. Galatians chapter 6 Verses 7 through 9 says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And here's the key. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season we will reap when? If we do not give up. One translation says, if we don't lose heart. Listen to that. He, he puts this whole thing together. We often, use, we often use the portion of the scripture about sowing. We will remind people that, oh, if you, if you sow to the flesh, then you're going to reap the flesh. But if you sow to the spirit, then... So we go through that process of, of being farmers and agriculture and, and saying, if you, if you sow, then you're going to reap. And you're going to reap what you sowed. And it, most of us preachers, we've preached at some point, we've preached the, you reap what you sow, you reap later than you sow, and you reap more than you sow. You know, and we usually use a, uh, a corn cob as an example to say, oh, you, you plant a kernel and look, you, you get a whole ear of corn and multiple ears of corn. That's the, that's the portion of that scripture we often like to focus on is by sowing because we like the idea of reaping. We like the concept, and, and too often in churches, then that concept of sowing is leading into an offering. You know, we're going to talk about you need to sow because then you'll reap and, and you need to plant that seed and all that stuff. Man, we miss, the, we miss the heart of this passage because that verse 9, starting with and, means it's a continuation of the thought that was already being expressed. And he's been expressing this idea that if you sow to the flesh and you reap of the flesh, you'll get corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, then you'll from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good. Let's talk about that for just a moment. We need to be honest with ourselves for a minute. Because, you, you know, you're honest in your heart anyway. It's just whether or not you'll be honest and let it show. You know, because we, we, uh, sometimes we can hide things from other people, but you know in your heart. Have you ever been trying to do good for somebody? And you kept trying, and you kept trying, and it doesn't seem like it's making an impact, and so you just got tired of trying to do good for that person. Can, can we be honest and get an amen? All right. So, so we've all been there. So we've all been to that place where you keep trying to do good, trying to do good, they don't respond the way you think they ought to respond, they don't, they don't make a fast enough change as you think they ought to make, they don't seem to appreciate it as much as you think they ought to appreciate it. And so you just finally say, I am tired of trying to help that person. Right? And along comes Galatians chapter 6. <laughs> and he comes along and he says, hey, I understand. Obviously, if he tells us to not grow weary of doing good, then he understands that there's going to come a point where you are tired of doing good. You're getting tired from it. It's wearing you out. But then he, he puts this concept following that. He says, hey, I recognize that you're going to grow weary. But then he, say, he, he states it as a choice. Don't grow weary of doing good. 
He communicates the idea that growing weary of doing good as the body of Christ, losing heart about doing good, is a choice. It's an emotional feeling. It's, it's what we decide in our hearts. We, we, have a, we have a choice to make. If we look and we say, man, I keep investing in this person, I keep investing in this person, and, and man, I don't see any change, so I'm tired of doing it, then that's a choice. You, you might be tired of it, but then you're going to have a choice, according to Galatians, to say, I'm not going to grow weary in doing good, because if I grow weary in doing good, then Galatians tells me there's a result. It says that in due season, what is due season? It's at the right time. See, if we, if we stop and think for a moment, what he's really saying is you grew weary because you decided now was the time. It'd kind of be like you went out and you planted a seed and you know that it's not going to yield fruit until, you know, a season later. But you come out four or five weeks later, it's not that season yet, and you go, man, I'm sick and tired of waiting on this thing to grow. Well, that's just an unreasonable expectation. Because the, 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 the due season that's going to come, the right time that's going to come is not now. I wonder how many times we have given up on doing good because we weren't seeing a result. But Paul tells us here in Galatians, he says, don't grow weary of doing good for in the right season, in due season, you will reap. There will be a return if you don't give up, if you don't lose heart. Look, I'll be the first one to tell you. And if I didn't, Michelle would probably tell you if, if <laughs> I, uh, man, patience was, is, you know, something that over the years I've had to work more and more at. I've had to work, work at having more patience because, um, when I go to do something, I want to work hard. I want to work hard and do it. I want to work hard and get it done. I, I, I'll work to the point of, you know. I, I wish that if I could find projects like this all the time because I don't hardly eat when I used to. I can remember back the, the second house we ever had. Um, I was we were painting a hallway and, a, and an extra bedroom and all this stuff. And and uh, I remember I still remember this one for some reason. I, I was on a I was on a ladder and I was painting. And I mean it was like two in the morning. I'd go to work I think the next day. And Michelle's like, "You need to go to bed. What are you still doing? No, nope, I got to get done." I got to get done because I was determined. And so my frustration would be when I saw other people that didn't want to commit that same way. They want to go get some sleep. You know, they, they, and so I'm a man, I'm going, no, yeah, when come on, when you get it done, quitter, you know, <laughs> I had to work on that. I had to work on that patience level. I, I would get, I would get all in on, man, I'm there. I don't want to grow weary of doing good. But the problem was, is I might not be tired and ready to quit. I'd just start getting irritable, and I'd start getting frustrated, and I'd start getting short and snappy, and all this kind of stuff because I was determined I wasn't going to grow weary and doing good. I just wasn't very good while I was doing good, you know? Let's not grow weary in doing good. There's a lot of reasons why that we will grow weary in doing good. Uh, some of it's because we try to get too much done too fast. We, not only do we have the expectation of that the other person or the situation is going to change right now, but then if, the, if I work harder at it, if I do more on it faster, then this ought to change quicker. And sometimes God just takes time to change a person's heart. God takes time to change a person's thoughts. But we're so determined that we'll grow weary. This verse, this passage also tells us that when people lose heart, they start sowing negative things. It says if you, if you sow to your own flesh, then you'll reap corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, then you reap eternal life. It, we'll start sowing negative things when we begin to lose heart. And when you sow negative things, you reap negative results. And when you reap negative results, then you go, well, see, that didn't work. Because you thought you were doing, you thought you was doing something good, but you really were starting to get negative, and, and that's what you were sowing. And so you start to get this negative result, and so you go, well, ain't no sense in doing good anymore. 
It would be easy to get frustrated and go, man, we keep talking to somebody, we keep sharing with somebody, we keep telling. Look, don't lose heart in doing good. You're sowing, you're watering, you're watching things begin to develop. Even if you can't see the roots going underground and something happening, But if you lose heart, then instead of sowing those positive things, you'll start sowing negative things. Well, that guy's never going to turn around. That guy's never going to change his life. There's never anything going to be any different. He's just going to be like that from now on. Man, when we begin to look at people and we begin to lose heart, then we will start to sow these negative things. We'll We'll start to say things can't happen. Things can't change. Things won't ever be any different. And then when we sow that negativity, we sow it into our children. Sometimes we sow it into other people. And when those things happen, then eventually we will reap. A negative result because we have, we have put all of our focus and all of our thoughts and everything into being negative. And then when something negative happens, we go, see, I told y'all. I took a psychology class one time. They called it self-fulfilling prophecy. That you predict something and then you align all of your actions in order to make it happen. So that when it happens, you can go, see, that's why we shouldn't have done that. I told you that if I did this, this is what was going to happen. Here, no way it'd work. And so then we'll convince ourselves that, hey, it's time to stop doing good because people will never change. How many times have I heard that in my lifetime? How many times have I heard people talking about situations and say, you know, people, people just don't change. People just don't change. You can't get anything to happen in somebody. Look, I'm going to tell you what. If Jesus can step out of a boat and a man is standing there and he's in the, 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 the gatherings and he's possessed with demons and God can set him free... If, if God, through Jesus Christ, can look at one who's lame and cause him to walk, if he can cause the blind to see, most importantly, if he can take a sinner's heart like I, I, don't have to, I don't have to worry about somebody else's story, if he can take my heart and he can take and align it and move it out of darkness into light and change my destiny for eternity, then I know that people can change. You see, I, I, don't, I, I don't get to have the testimony of that I was all off into all kind of stuff. I get to have the testimony to tell you religious people can change. Religious people can get set free. People that are raised in it, taught it, you know all the things to say, you know all the boxes to check, you know all the ones to not check, you know all that stuff, you can get set free. So when I look at people's lives, then I know that change can happen. Here's an important truth about sowing, though. You're spiritually sowing all the time. I think a lot of times we think, well, when I go and I pray, then yeah, I'm spiritually sowing in my life. I'm, I'm planting something in my life. If I read God's Word, then I'm planting something in my life. Look, when you're not reading God's Word, you're planting something in your life. When you're not praying, you're planting something in your life. When you're talking with your buddies, you're planting something in your life. When you're just sitting around thinking, you're planting something in your life. We're constantly sowing, planting into our lives. A lot of times, what you'll see is that as people have sowed to their own flesh, here's the kind of things that you begin to notice happening. They have a focus purely on self. Look. If you get together with one other person, you can have disagreement. If you get together with one other person, you can have somebody else that thinks that they ought to be first in something. Watch kids sometimes. And some kids aren't this way. But you watch kids when when they're trying to jockey to who gets to go first on something that they really want to do. And and they're pinching each other and elbowing each other. Y'all know it's the truth. They're shoving each other. And then if they know that one of y'all is watching, what do they do? They wait till the other one doesn't. <laughs> he hit me. All right. And if another adult's watching you, because you'll turn around and start getting on, the other one's like, <laughs> I got you in trouble. Right? Focus on self. I mean, it, it starts early. An unwillingness to seek to understand others. 
You know, sometimes once you get to where that you're, you're not focused on doing good and you're so into your own flesh, you're not worried about somebody else's issues. You don't want to try to understand their problem. You don't want to try to understand their background. Hey, they ought to just change to be more like me. They ought to be like us. And you pick who it is, an older person, or if you're an older person, a younger person. That's why more churches have problems than anything else is, is older people don't want to try to understand younger people. Younger people don't care anything about understanding older people. Hey, I hope I'm going to be a really older person one day because I'm already older to some of these kids. Doing what puts self number one. We promote it in our society, and it stops us from doing good. We begin to promote this idea where we say, you need to look out for number one. It's a dog-eat-dog world. If you don't look out for yourself, nobody else is going to look out for you. Jesus comes along, and he says the first. If you want to be first, you need to be last. If you want to live, you need to die. If you want to be the leader of everybody, you need to be the servant of everybody. So one of the first things that happens when the church loses heart is we'll stop doing good. We'll retreat back to our four walls. We'll come back here where we're accustomed to being. We'll come back to where it's okay for us to just be together with people that are just like us, that think the way we think, that act the way we think, that dress the way we dress, and we'll stop doing good outside of those four walls. And what we'll do is we'll get very focused on helping each other. Because I can help people that are like me. I can interact with people that are like me. I can converse with people that are like me. It's harder for me to go get involved with somebody that doesn't think like I do, act like I do, and might not agree with me on some things. Because then I have to actually think about it. How easy is it for you to be around people that are just like you and to do good for them? Because they agree with what you agree with. They like the things you like. They want to eat the food you want to eat. They want to talk about the things you want to talk about. They got a similar life experience to what you have. Then you go and you start trying to be involved with somebody that's not like you. Didn't come out of your neighborhood. Doesn't think the same way that you do. All of a sudden, you got to work. You actually have to work at communicating. You got to be nice. You got to be polite. You got to actually put effort in to getting to know somebody and having to think through, why does this person think this way? One of the second things that begins to happen when the church loses heart is prayer gets affected. Prayer gets affected. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus was talking to some people and he told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. So obviously, then I see the inverse says, oh, well then when you lose heart, you start to not always pray. Look, I'm going to be honest with you. Michelle and I were, we had, we had just gone to bed, and I don't even remember why. I don't remember how we saw, but we had, we had cut on. We had been talking throughout the day about the situations with uh, these, these two uh, gentlemen that died as a result of interactions uh, with the police. Look, I'm not here this morning in any fashion to debate about why or how or any of that stuff. What I do know is there's two souls that went into eternity. I do know that there's two families that have experienced a loss. I do know that, that the church should be more concerned if we were going to sit and say, well, somebody had a criminal past, well, somebody had this, then we should be even more concerned that a soul went into eternity. Because people need Jesus. So I sat and I thought and I was, I was talking with some people and I said, I said, man, there's such division and there's such heartbreak in our, in our world. And, and then Michelle and I had just gone to bed and for some reason pulled something up and saw what was happening in Dallas. Man, there's no telling how many discussions have taken place, and I, I know I've been part of them, and, and, and discussing and trying to understand. And I told somebody last night, I said, actually, I said, there's an article on ESPN.com right now. I said, if you'll go, I said, I put on my pastoral hat, and I said, it's that, 
I, there's a thread going that I that I started that that has a, a fairly lengthy uh, response responses to it because I said, what can we do? Because no matter what we what we see and what our views are and what our thoughts are, our world needs Jesus. Our world needs to be changed through the power of Jesus Christ. And if the church in the middle of all of this loses heart and stops doing good because we decide we're weary of being involved in it, and then if we allow our prayer to be affected, prayer becomes one of the first things that changes. And it doesn't always stop. It just changes. People don't always just stop praying. That's not where they, that's not where they start out. It starts out with when you begin to do, be weary and you begin to lose heart in the church. Then the first thing that happens is that prayer begins to be about things and people instead of for things and people. We start praying about these situations. Instead of putting somebody on our heart and praying, God, please work in these situations. God, please bless ministers and pastors and believers who are in these areas and in communities that God, they will impact people with the cause of Jesus Christ. We start praying about people. God, you need to change these people. God, you need to change my neighbor. God, you need to change somebody over here in my family. God, you need to do this. So we start praying about them instead of praying for them and then being on our heart. What needs to be in our, in our world today, especially this week, is a brokenness. The church needs to have a heart of brokenness to pray for people, to pray for the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to change all people. In the final stages of this change, prayer simply becomes unimportant. Because we really know somewhere in our hearts that we ought to be doing good. We know that we ought to be praying. We know that we should be on our knees before God praying for families, praying for children. This week, praying for the children of these two families, praying for this four-year-old little girl that sat in a car and saw somebody get shot. Praying for a 15-year-old son that's the oldest Man, I don't care. I understand. Guys, we need to get our hearts right. I understand. I understand the, the history. I understand the, 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 all, all the stuff that we can find and go look at it. Look at a rap sheet or whatever else. Look, there's a 15-year-old that is the oldest in the family that doesn't have a dad anymore. There's other children that don't have a dad today. And these are, these are just two things we know about this week. Man, there's people that, that their dad died in a car wreck. There's people that their dad just passed away from cancer in a hospital. There's all these things that needs to break our heart and needs to make the church be encouraged in our heart to make a difference in our world. At the end of the day, our role is not in our world and, and in us maintaining our heart, our role is not to determine who's right and who's wrong and, and all these things. Our role in the world is to bring the love of Jesus Christ, to bring healing into situations, to be one who stands in the gap in prayer. Prayer, when it begins to go away because it's been impacted like this, is because we really don't want to talk to the one who's a sustainer of our heart if we've lost heart. Because while God will lovingly and gently try to draw us back and push us into the place where we should be, He's also like a firm parent as well. Because His love is not this love that goes, well, you know, I love you so much, I'm going to let you do what you want to do. I'm just going to, you know... I'm going to tell you, but then I'm going to leave it alone. No, God is going to try to move us and shepherd us into where we are supposed to be, to lead and guide us, as he said the Holy Spirit would do, would lead and guide us into all truth. The third thing that begins to be affected when we lose heart is ministry itself. Because I, I often in my mind, I, I, I separate sometimes the idea of, not that I'm saying they're entirely different things, but, but there are often times where you can simply do good, and while it does minister to somebody, it's not what we typically in our minds think about in regards to ministry. 
We just sometimes think, I, I just did good. I did a, a, a good thing to people. And, and the Bible tells us that we're to, we're to look for occasion, every occasion to be able to do good to others, especially those that are of the household of faith. But it also included those, when you say especially to those who are of the household of faith, and it means it included those who aren't of the household of faith. Which, by the way, side note means you may do something for somebody that doesn't express appreciation. But the Bible says do all things as unto the Lord, not as unto your neighbor who needs to tell you how much they greatly appreciate what you did for them. Now, I, I, I understand there's not a lot of amen and stuff going to go on today. It's okay. It's all right. Do all things as unto the Lord so that we're not sitting here going, well, how come this person didn't act like? Man, we've struggled through it. We, we've been in some places where we were serving and doing ministry and people acting, acting ugly about stuff and not being grateful and all that. Now, yes, does it bother me? Absolutely it does. But then I have to remind myself and recenter myself, say, hey, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm doing it as unto the Lord. If they, don't, if they don't show appreciation, but I'm doing what God led me to do, then I'm doing this and I'm serving God and I'm going to love people and I'm going to plant a seed. Ministry begins to be impacted, though. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 we're going to have to look back at, at chapter 3 here in just a second. But verse 1 in chapter 4, he says, Therefore, having this ministry, and we're going to figure out what that ministry is, because this verse is meaningless without it. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. Okay, we got the lose heart part. What ministry is it that he's talking about? Well, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yet to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. What ministry? He says, look, before you come to Christ, there's a veil. There's a veil you can't really see, you can't understand. But when Christ comes, he removes that veil. And you see that the, that the Lord who is a spirit, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And the veil gets removed and now you're free. You're free to understand this new covenant that God has put in place. And he says, now we all have an unveiled face. And because of that, we can behold the glory of God. And as a result of that, we're being transformed into the same image. So he says, we have a ministry. That ministry. The ministry to go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ that removes the veil off of people's eyes, that allows them to see who God is, to, to be able to experience freedom. Because now that they engage with the Spirit of God, where the Spirit is there, is freedom, and now they have an unveiled face, and they can see the glory of God. And he says, since we've been given that ministry to lead people, to share that message... We don't lose heart. When we lose heart, we stop being evangelistic with the gospel. When we lose heart, we stop wanting to see people's eyes be unveiled. When we lose heart, we stop wanting to see people get set free. When we lose heart, we stop wanting people to be able to see the glory of God. In fact, oftentimes, quite honestly, when we lose heart and have reached that point, we're not even worried about seeing the glory of God. We're okay just to come to church. 
We're okay to be able to go home and occasionally read our word. We're okay to be able to offer up a prayer when we think something's fixing to happen at work or whatever else. But we don't have a desire and a hunger to have freedom in our lives, to see the glory of God played out in our lives, and therefore to see it in other people's lives. Because we just start losing heart. And so when we lose heart, we won't go share something with somebody else to set them free because we're not really acting that free ourselves. We're acting bound up by things. We're allowing stuff to keep us where that we're, we're, we're spiritually have no joy. We have no excitement. We have no energy in our spiritual lives. We have none of these things. And so, quite honestly, we recognize the hypocrisy of going and wanting to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people when we're not that excited about it in our own lives. Look. If there's a new restaurant that comes to town and you go eat there, I guarantee you when you walk in the door on Sunday morning, if you think about food, you'll start telling everybody in here, hey, y'all need to try out that new restaurant, right? I mean, let's be honest. Oh, you need to try that new restaurant out. If somebody does wrong to you in some situation, what will you do? You start seeing everybody, you're going, hey, you don't need to go to that restaurant. Their service is terrible. They do this. They got that. You don't even want to go there. If you take your car somewhere, (laughs) <laughs> to get it washed uh, uh-huh yeah y'all thought I was going to say to get it worked on and they do a terrible job and they miss what do you do hey don't take your car over to that car wash man they charged $35 I thought it was going to be a good deal but man they didn't they halfway put the wax got it all over some of the plastic now my plastic's all messed up I don't know how I'm going to get that up do you not do you not How many of you walked in the door this morning in the church telling people about what Jesus did in your life this week? Because I know you had some kind of conversation with somebody, and I can be honest and say that I was running around doing some stuff, so I didn't get to have any conversation with anybody. So I don't know what your conversation was. But I can just ask you. I mean, and you ain't got to tell me, but you just need it in your heart, and you know you're in conversation with somebody else, so they know too. So don't, don't lie to yourself because somebody else heard you. Did you come in having a conversation with people going, hey, you know what? Man, let me tell you about what I was reading this scripture this week. And let me tell you what God started just doing in my heart. Man, I started thinking about this, and I just got so happy. Man, I started thinking about this, and God brought peace into my life. When we lose heart, we stop being evangelistic. We stop even, in a sense, being evangelistic toward each other. We stop encouraging one another. We stop sharing with one another what God is doing in our lives because we've lost heart about what God is doing. People at farm, have, they have patience. And they put tremendously hard work into it. Because even when there's not something planted and growing up, and they're not looking at, oh, you know, hey, there's seed in the ground. What are they doing? Man, they're, they're preparing the soil. They're clearing out spots that, hey, we want to expand the field, so we're going to clear this out, and we're going to, we're going to move these rocks out. We're going to cut these trees down. We're going to pull these stumps up. We're going to do hard work. But why? But they, but they still commit, and they stay steady because if you lose heart, all your work goes for nothing. The final thing that begins to disappear when we lose heart is our strength and our endurance. 2 Corinthians 4, 15 through 16 says this, For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So, we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. Let's go back and look at that first verse again. For it's all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, what happens? It may increase thanksgiving. He says, look, all this work that we're doing, all this effort that we're putting in, he says, it's all for your sake. I, I so want to see God impact your life to the point where that thanksgiving begins to abound in you. And I know that when that that thanksgiving increases, that brings glory to God. Why? Because you'll start doing like you was going to do with that restaurant. You start telling everybody, let me tell you about what God's been doing in my life this week. I've told y'all before that my friend Jeff that came and spoke while Stephen and I were gone, 
Jeff, you used to just make me so mad when I first came to know him because every time I saw him, we were in a band together going around playing at churches and stuff. And every time I saw him, he would always say, what you been reading this week in God's Word? What's God been saying to you in it? Well, that'll frustrate somebody if you haven't been reading God's Word, right? Yeah. And if you are, if you've just been reading it to read it, and you hadn't been trying to listen and trying to let God speak to you, and all right, what's God really saying? How does that impact my life? How can I apply that in my life? You haven't been doing all that stuff, and somebody's starting to ask you stuff. You'll start finding, hey, let me, I got to get my instrument set up, man. Let me, hey, wait a minute, I got to get something out of the truck, right? But what would happen if when we came together, and we walked in the door on Sunday mornings and Sunday night, and we came together on prayer on Wednesday night. What would happen if, if people walked in the door and said, man, I've been so excited to be able to come and pray with all of y'all because I've just been praying this week on my own. And man, I, I, I've, been, I've been laying my heart out before God. God's been sending people across my path. And man, I've been, I've been sharing the word. I've been sharing the gospel. Man, I had somebody come across my path that just encouraged me. Man, I had some tough stuff that happened this week, but I took it before God in prayer. And I don't have an answer yet, but I'm determined to hold out. I'm determined to hold on. I'm going to keep putting this before God because I know if I don't lose heart, I know he's going to send an answer. I know he's already got something prepared. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm not going to lose heart. I'm going to stay strong. And I am ready to get in here and pray with you guys. Because I've been looking forward to hearing you guys pray and being able to pray together over some things. What if we walked in on Sunday morning and we weren't going, well, I wonder what he's going to give us today in the Word. But we were going, man, let me tell you about what I was studying this week. Let me tell you. And what if we were having a hard time getting everybody into service, not because we was talking about everything else, but because so many people were telling each other about what God had been speaking to them in the Word this week. Maybe some people wouldn't lose heart. Maybe if I came in and I'd had a hard week and you'd had a good week, I'd be encouraged by what it was that God had been speaking to you while I felt I'd been struggling to hear from God. But if we're going to come in and we're going to talk about football and we're going to talk about this and that and, and a car and a truck and this and whatever, and I'm just saying... Sometimes people don't even tell us that they're losing heart. Sometimes people don't even let us know that they're struggling. Because, they don't, they don't, because that's not the culture that we create if we're not careful. We create a culture where we stay shallow. We come in, we just talk about shallow things. We talk about stuff that really is not that dangerous. It's not spiritually dangerous. It's not emotionally dangerous. We can talk about, you know, hey, did y'all see this? Hey, did y'all see that? You know, what you think about that new place they're building over? And that, okay, that's great. We, we can have those conversations. But man, there's people hurting. There's people in our world that are hurting that need to know and need to hear it. They need to know that we're about something more than that kind of stuff. They need to know that when we come together that the church has not lost heart. That the church is focused on, man, I'm just, I'm just praying that God's going to speak to us today. I'm praying he's going to speak to us through the songs that we sing. I pray that he's going to speak to us through the word. I, pray, I, I just pray that, man, when it comes time to pray, I just want to be in there praying. I want to be tied in and plugged in and, and energized by this. I like the fact that, that here he even said, hey, look on the outside, man, I'm wasting away. I, I know I'm, I'm dying. I know I'm, 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 I'm getting more weary. I know that I'm getting more weak. The older I get, you know, then the more I know I can't do. But even though all of that's happening, I don't lose heart because my inner person is being renewed day by day. His mercies are new every morning. When we lose heart, we tend to lose the necessary energy to be about God's work. It no longer energizes us to share the gospel. Do you remember when you first got saved? Do you really remember when you first gave your heart to Christ? When you first became a new creation? Now, I'm going to tell you, if when you became a first, first became a new creation, if you didn't find all this stuff to be new and exciting, then, hey, we need to work on praying a little more that, that God makes some change in you because... Yeah, I just don't believe that you reach a point of being able to say, God, I realize I need you, 
I, I, I need to surrender my heart and the Spirit is drawing you and pulling you and so you surrender to God's will and God's way and He makes you a new creation and you go, well, that was great. You know, let's go to the house. You know, I, I, I don't see that. That's just not what I see. I believe that when you become a new creation and you realize where you have been but you realize where God's taking you that then there was some excitement, there was some energy. And then... As you keep going along and you start losing a little bit of heart. Remember, you, you wanted to be in church. You didn't, you didn't want to miss church. You wanted to be in service. You wanted to be, you was calling people up. Hey, y'all want to hang out? Right? I mean, you had a new set of friends. You had something in common with people. You, you, had, you know, different stuff that you just wanted to engage in. We, we, we talked about it here just a couple weeks back. All we have to do is turn over to Revelations and see God speaking to a church and saying, hey, you're all about doing the activities. You're all about finding the false prophets and all that stuff, but I got something against you. You left your first love. You left that passion. You left that excitement. You left that energy. For some, it's just that you don't have any joy anymore, and you've begun to lose heart, even though the Bible tells us that it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. And so we look and we go, why am I so weak? Why am I spiritually struggling so much? And, and, and why am I wrestling with all this stuff? Why is the church failing to make more of an impact in our world? Because we lose heart. Because we don't have strength. We don't have strength because we don't have the joy of the Lord. I mean, what David had to pray one time. He said, man, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Oh, the churches today would just sit and pray that. Well, just pray that at the end of the service today and just say, God, restore unto us the joy of your salvation because if we have the joy of that, then your joy will give us strength and we will be able to endure and we won't lose heart. Here's what I know. I know that when you, when you don't lose heart and when you start going out, you may be planting a lot of seeds. I'm not saying you're going to run out here and you're going to share the gospel with people and you're going to interact with everybody and, and everybody's going to start dropping to their knees on their front porch and coming to Jesus. I, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. But I'm saying when you begin to feel the excitement, the joy of your salvation, because when you start telling somebody else about your salvation, it starts reminding you how much you appreciate it. You start getting a little bit of joy going, man, I remember what it was like when I didn't know Jesus, and now I do, and I have this great ministry that Paul talked about where I can go and share it. Therefore, I do not lose heart. Because when I share this, it's going to cause thanksgiving to increase in that person, and that's going to bring glory to God, so I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to keep planting if I'm the planter. I'm going to keep watering if I'm the guy that waters. How many of us this week prayed, God, I want to see somebody give their heart to your son Jesus Christ this week. God, I want to see somebody come to church that doesn't know you. God, I want you to send somebody across my path that I can share the gospel with that, that, that is going to say, man, I need that. Are we praying that? Are we, are we praying for God to do these things or are we just kind of lost heart and we're just kind of going through the motions and, hey, we're going to church and it's great and all that and, you know, whoo, you know. When we get to the point where it's not energizing us to share the gospel or minister to the needy or engage with the lost and hurting, then we've lost heart. But how do we not lose heart and therefore lose our strength? And I've got to take us to a familiar passage to end. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. This is another one of those where we like to pick one portion of it and we don't read the whole passage. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Listen to what he says. So we just always use that verse. We just pick that verse right there and say, tell people, hey, they wait upon the Lord. And that's a great verse. It's great to use that way. But what about when you take it in true perspective where he says, hey, here's the reality. 
God never faints. God is never weary. And God wants to put that into you. Because in the natural, even the youth that seems strong and seems powerful, he's going to get faint, he's going to fall, he's going to be weary. But if you will wait upon the Lord, then you shall renew your strength. When you feel like you're losing heart, when you feel like it's just a, the mundane, that, man, I'm just going through the motions. If you will wait upon the Lord, then he will renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. We cannot afford for the church to lose heart. If this week has shown us anything, it has shown us that our world needs the true church. God has called us. God equips us. And God strengthens us. When we don't lose heart, he's called us to do this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. I pray that God heals the church. Because the church needs to be the first place where unity is shown. The church needs to be the first place where people from all backgrounds, people from all different walks of life stand arm in arm together on the cause of Jesus Christ as ambassadors of Christ and say, be reconciled to God. I pray for the individuals because the church will never stand in unity if there are people that make up the church that have hatred in their heart, bitterness toward each other, distrust toward each other. And I said, and I pray for myself. I repent for things that I have done and said in my past that would have been disruptive and would have separated and divided. I pray that God gives me the words and the direction for this place, this body of believers to help be an agent of changing our community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because he has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. Therefore, therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So let us look to our community and say, we implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. Let's pray.